Entering our second season of Blood Time, we want to thank not only our phenomenal and remarkable individuals that were our guests, but also the support, the incredible support that we have had throughout the community, not only locally, but nationally. What you can absolutely put to bed as guaranteed the second season of Blood Time are more remarkable individuals, more transformative stories, and more Blood Time moments. Please give a listen to the second season for we are all blood. Coach Cimarroni here. Love to all. I want to thank Serve Pro of Beachwood, our newest sponsor, and Jack Coslin, the owner. They serve all of Northeast Ohio, not just Beachwood. They specialize in disaster cleanup that leaves your home or office like new, like it never happened. Flood and water damage, fire, mold, and they say even blood and guts. Not just any Serve Pro. Seek out Serve Pro of Beachwood. That's Serve Pro Beachwood, Shaker Heights, Cleveland Heights.com, 216-464-4498. Operated by a former All-State wrestler from Beachwood, we love Serve Pro of Beachwood. Hey, it's Coach Cimarroni for Blood Time, and I have my first return guest, even though we did have Mark Haywald in, in studio, but this is something that I really wanted to do because the first episode that we did with current guest, Michael Goldberg. How are you, Michael? I'm great. I'm great. Good to see you back. Good to be studio. back. Yeah, good to be back in studio. I, you know, I was able to get a lot out of Michael, but there's so much more to this man that I really want to explore and uh, the relationship between the room, the the coaching, the and the athlete, and then the fully formed adult. It's some of the things that you've done in the, in the world are just remarkable. So I really want to get into that, Michael, and I want to start quickly. And first of all, I want to thank your your wife and your sister for their incredible support and also their social media presence and their uh, and their support of you for your episode. You were the second. Most listened to episode last year, so congratulations! That's on that. amazing. You mean I beat Kenny Monday? You beat no Kenny Monday wasn't on. It was Lee Kemp. <laughs> oh. We'll get Kenny Monday. All right, we'll get get Monday on. That's but right. I beat Lee Kemp. You beat Lee Kemp and Kerry McCoy and Gabe Dean and the Milkoviches. So right. even Coach I, you beat. So All right. Well, it's cool. It's I got cool. something. I got something to brag about. Though. Indeed, you beat national champs. I mm-hmm. like that. So, uh, you know, in our first interview, we talked a lot about the the connection between you and I, and also you and Coach I and the wrestling room and all your, your comrades. I mean, you know, the, the beautiful uh, Butch Lapsley, God mm-hmm. rest his soul, and uh, the wonderful Jeff and stud Jeff Tolan and, you know, Scott Peters and the, the, the Weisses and the Sternbergs and all those incredible guys that you wrestled with during that, that golden era. But really, you know, I want, I want to talk to you about what has that meant to you now as an adult and as you – as you became that fully formed adult, or you know, obviously, obviously that's a work in progress too for all of us. But tell tell me a little bit more about what that meant to you and what what you've done with it. Well, that's a big question. That's what. Well, it's a big guy. But the big <laughs> but the big answer is my wrestling experience has really pervaded every aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I could I can go to any challenge I've had. And I could say how my thought process in dealing with those challenges uh, was affected by my wrestling experience. And it's, it's funny because I wrestled, I started wrestling in some little club, probably like fourth or fifth grade, but really didn't wrestle till middle school. 
wrestling competitively was seventh through twelfth grade, and then and then a year of college. Right. So it wasn't that long in right. the course of my life, but but the effect of going through the experience and my personal experience with wrestling and starting off and 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 um, having certain goals and at first not seeming to really meet those goals and then figuring it out and and basically doing better than I ever would have even expected. You know, my goals were far outstretched by, by what I actually accomplished. Okay. So to me, that was like um, a major awakening in terms of like what I could handle. Okay. And what I can do uh, if I really go all in on, gotcha. on something. So really, there's nothing that it hasn't affected. Yeah, I wish I could be more involved in wrestling now because I know what it gave me. And, you know, your audience is, is familiar with Coach I now. Um, sure. And some of the names that you just mentioned. And, you know, for me, those were, that was my world. Right. Those people were my world, you. And um, being in that milieu um, for that short period of time, I mean, I was completely unformed, but I was learning lessons that maybe wouldn't weren't going to uh, directly affect me immediately, although they did with, with academics in college. Sure. But stuff later on, 20, 30 years later, that I, that I, I drew on, and stuff, lessons I wasn't even learning. It was just becoming part of my character. Working really hard right. became part of my character. Right. Not, being, not being intimidated and not being worried about the outcome as much as the effort. Okay became part of my character. Well, you had a quantum leap, though, from high school to college. I mean, you went from a very average student, if I remember correctly, to a pretty doggone good student in college, and then in, 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 as you got your law, law degree. Right. So there was a there was definitely a direct correlation between the two, and I don't know sure. if I talked about this last time. but You didn't. But um, so for me, making 140 my senior year was not easy. I played football in the mid-60s. Right. And, uh, you know, 165, maybe 167. Sure. And I would suck all the way down to 140, and it was miserable. Yeah. And at the same time, I and this is my senior year, I, you know, I was somebody that was on the radar now. I had to be ready for every match. Right. Um, I was cutting 12 or 13 pounds a week, yeah. which was all food and water, and it wasn't like, you know, once I got down to weight. Yeah. Um, but that was a miserable experience, and... School was a non-factor. I never did anything in high school, and you know, maybe it's a knock on Beachwood schools in the in the seventies, right? Um, but I wasn't. I just wasn't forced to do any. I wasn't forced. No, to do there was, it was a very it was a very lax situation, particularly with Concept One, yeah. and some of the you know non consequences to, right. to you know just and the, the Beachwood Middle School. Yeah, absolutely. When you think back at that, it was a joke, and yeah. and teachers meant well, but they they were much better for the better students. Well, they were figuring out this, you know, let people figure it out. You know, you know, like this, this concept one where you self-study. and, and I was ready for that when I was about 30. Right. Not when, I, not when I was like 12. Yeah, it was a great concept, but it was a wrong application. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so I was a terrible student and don't remember taking books home. Right. I mean, I got an F. I, I failed a class, uh, you know, for some some reason, and, and I don't remember exactly why in um, in high school. Probably because I didn't take the final or something ridiculous. Right. Um, and then I, but the what teachers would always say is, you know, Michael's very intelligent, but he doesn't apply himself. Right. So now I'm in, I'm going to college. Well, that was that was you and in, 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 in up to a sophomore year in wrestling too. Yeah, yeah. You were very 
good. You're a great athlete. You just didn't. You just didn't figure it out. You didn't apply yourself. And yeah, you know. So you had a conduit, mm-hmm. right? And so, so when I got to college, right, I knew the pressure was on me to actually prove that I really was a smart guy. Yeah, and I wasn't, you, were, you were on scholarship. Yeah. yeah, and 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 their expectations, like you know, I don't know what my parents' expectations were for me. Right. I literally graduated Beach with a two point right, barely. Right. So if it would have been any lower than that, I couldn't even have taken a scholarship. Gotcha. I got the I got the I slid through at the bare minimum. Right. And so there I was in college, and I had to prove that I wasn't you know this schmuck that um, I in school that I displayed myself as you know all this time. Right. So. I took that effort that I learned from wrestling, the sacrifice, the pain, right. uh, the making it the most important thing and right. making everything else secondary. And I have definitely applied it to school. So like other people would be out partying and doing what people do when they're freshmen in, freshmen in college. Right. I was studying right. and I would have a book open um, on my, from, from after dinner until 11 or 12 o'clock at night. And I'd see people coming and going, and I just wouldn't, I didn't go out. I just, right. I studied. And then when the tests came, you know, there were a lot, plenty of times when I had to go back over everything again. Well, you and I have something in common. We both have a history degree. Right. So you have to read a lot, and you mm-hmm. have to take notes, and you have to uh, really understand it, take it in. So. You have, yeah. So I would, I would pull all-nighters. Right. And that was horrible, too. And then there'd be a test in the morning. Right. And I realized that this was wrestling coming through. This was like going through the pain and the steps uh-huh. and the sacrifice and not doing the things that you, other things that you could be doing um, to reach the goal. So it, it, it directly translated. And I think, I don't know that I, I'm probably realized it in real time, but, okay. but, but now looking back and every time I've gotten a chance to coach students, uh, stu- student athlete uh, wrestlers or football or whatever, right. I always talk about how these lessons that you're going to learn in here. If you listen to your coaches and take it seriously and do what is expected of you here, right. will translate into something else. So, so I went through college with that. Um, and you, I did, attitude, you did pretty well. I, yeah. I did very well in college. Uh, I uh, didn't emphasize the sports. I didn't emphasize even exercise. I just I just studied and, and right. worked. And um, but I will say that there were deficits that I had from not being a attentive middle school student that I still have today, like spelling, handwriting, things like that. Okay. that you okay. learn along the way if you right. if if you are trying and if your teachers are trying right. that you get corrected. That I just don't didn't have corrected, and thank God I really don't have to spell right now. Um, well, the, spell check, right? In the world. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But so I kept it up, and right. it was the same thing with 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 um, you know studying for the LSAT, getting sure. to law school. Um, the difference between undergrad and law school was that in undergrad at the University of Cincinnati, yes, I stood out because of whatever ability I had or ability to study, I stood out. But in co- in law school, it wasn't like that. Everybody was really. Everybody, everybody was really yeah yeah. It was like, everybody was really bright yeah, and so everybody. It's like going to the pros, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. and everybody's really bright and everybody right. actually attended their middle school classes and high school classes. Uh, yeah. So they were that much more polished. Gotcha. And so that was a whole other challenge for me to like see myself as being. So able now to you got to get a little bit more elegant. <laughs> I have to be, be yeah. able to compete with a higher level of competition. Indeed, indeed, yeah. And, and yeah. now, and now that that takes you to 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 today, mm-hmm. right? And you know, you have 
challenges every day, mm-hmm. Michael, in your in your life. You you have challenges every day in the courtroom because you're a criminal defense attorney. That's pretty much all you do, right? Mm-hmm. As a profession, correct. And you have a challenge with a beautiful uh, son of yours, mm-hmm. and on a daily basis, who knows what uh, what what you face? Although he's probably you probably have a situation uh, now that's a little bit different than it was maybe you know 15, 10, 15 years ago. Um, because of your experience, how does how does all of this what you have, you know, dis- described to us prepare you? Because you know, I think that while we just go through life and, and meet our challenges, particularly as as former wrestlers or whatever, we just take it for granted that we could do this shit. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, that we could just have we just have the balls to be able to and the and the fortitude to be able to do it. But it takes a lot. I mean, to for you to defend people that at time maybe are indefensible, mm-hmm. and to and to handle certain certain situations with Noah, people would be in a pool of butter, right? <laughs> basically, so tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. That, all right. Well, so so first of all, wrestling. If I had to say anything, uh, um, the most uh, the most if I had to say what was most important. Um, about the wrestling experience in my whole life. It wasn't undergrad and law school and studying and all that. It was being able to handle the situation with Noah. Okay. Because the Noah situation, uh, being diagnosed with autism at about 18 months, two years old. Sure. That's very difficult. But re- sure. but the whole wrestling experience and the, and the fortitude and the, the, the never give up and the I'll do this until I until I'm dead. Right. You know, you're like, I'm going to fight you until uh, choke me out or I'm dead. Right. That's directly applicable to the situation because it's lifelong. It's pervasive. It never goes away. Right. Um, and you've got to deal with it every day. Sure. So I go to work and I deal with people who have 12 kids, you know, and, and, you know, maybe in their lives, maybe not in their lives and they're all healthy yeah. and they're all typical. And then, yeah. I've got my two kids, and 50% of my kids yeah. have a pervasive lifelong disability. Yes. So so that aside, i got to deal with their problems, yep. not let my personal life affect and my personal challenges affect my professional work, right. which does, does not happen. I do not let it happen, and I don't talk about my challenges at home right. unless I'm directly asked about it, okay. and, and, and I want to share it. Um, but it's not something I I would ever use as an excuse or or right. anything because right. you know a judge who uh, has uh, you know that I'm preparing before um, on a trial or some kind of major thing you know they're not concerned about my you know I'm sure they are as human beings but it's if I'm not ready to to proceed and go forward right. with a trial. Um, I'm not going to make any excuse, right? Like, and I'm definitely not going to make. Well, an they excuse. Can, they can't do that because they wouldn't be doing their job, right? Mm-hmm. And they're and they're elected officials. They have to move things along, and, sure. and but they also have hearts, and they have, of course, you know, and, of and, course. and some of the judges know. Yeah, but, and Michael, you've been around a, a, a few years, right? So mm-hmm. they do know your yeah, of course, they do know, know your story. So, but the, yeah. there has been times when I've tried cases uh-huh. with no sleep. Gotcha. With zero sleep. I'm sure. Yeah. And where I've been, and this was years ago when Noah was still learning how to how to make it through the night. Right. 
um, where I had no sleep, but I wouldn't tell anybody because I don't want to sound like I'm making any kind of excuses for anything, you know, even yeah. if my brain's not really working the way it right. should be. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and uh, I can remember distinctly uh, my uh, uh, my first like major trial where if I lost, the yeah. client was going to go to prison for a long time. It was right. A sex right. assault. It was bad. Yeah. And I remember, um, and this was 25 years ago, maybe not being not sleeping the entire night. Yeah. The night before. Horrible. And everything was on the line. Right. And I just had to suck it up. So I learned how to do that. Sure. That wrestling helped me. That I drew on the lessons that I learned in wrestling that I've already talked about. And the physical thing of being able just to go that extra, you know, you're just so tired. Right. You say, how can I go anymore? And boy, I can go some more mm-hmm. and I can go some more. You just, yeah. how do you do that? You, you know, learn, right? you learn that your what you feel are physical limits are really mental limits. Sure. And once you know that right. you can push through it because you know that it's really not a physical limit. Right. It's, um, it's, it's like in running. Yes. Um, you, your brain is telling you that you have to slow down. You have to get more oxygen. You can't create, you, you, your brain is telling you you're very, you're very fatigued, right. more, more fatigued than you can handle. Right. But the reality is you're not right. B- because the protection mechanism that's built into your brain to protect you from, from giving a hundred percent of what you have uh-huh. So that you have something left over for the fight or flight, right? Um, that you may need, uh, you know, uh, just kicks in. Yeah. yeah so, so you have reserves that you just don't know you have, right? And your brain tells you you don't have, but you have them. Exactly. So, once you learned that and learn to not fear the what feels like the limit, right? And you know, you can push through it. You, you can accomplish a lot of things. Break through that. Let me, I want to get to that and, and explore that a little bit more after the break. We're going to take a break for one of our sponsors. We'll be back in a minute with Michael Goldberg. Defense Soap at DefenseSoap.com. In the midst of our current health crisis, we at Blood Time want to thank Guy and Gus Seiko and the team at Defense Soap as a beacon of our protection. Body wipes, skin cleansers, bars of soap, shower gels, and disinfectant tablets. All this and more as Defense Soap is on the front line of our protection. Thanks to the Seiko family and their team at Defense Soap. Check them out for all your protection needs during these precarious times. Defense Soap at DefenseSoap.com This is Coach Cimarroni for Next Level Continuing Education. Next Level brings unique education to real estate professionals and real estate investors on how to get money effectively and efficiently into real estate investments. Next Level Continuing Education has ditched the traditional continuing education platform. Gone are the days of listening to boring content in a stuffy classroom setting. Come jump on a Zoom call whenever you find it comfortable and learn how to expand your real estate portfolio. Next Level CE brings unique content across Ohio and the Midwest to teach real estate investors how to become their own bank using the infinite banking concept to acquire more properties quickly. 
Call Ryan M. Miller, the CE Specialist, at 330-933-8231. Or click on the link in our show notes. That's Ryan M. Miller, CE Specialist, 330-933-8231. Or our show notes, the link is where you go. Thank you. Hey, and we're back with Michael Goldberg. This is Coach Cimarroni. I want to explore, Michael, uh, some of the, the things that you brought up about being prepared. You know, we had an interview um, last season with a guy by the name of Barry Broom, who I coached at John Carroll. And Barry was uh, an incredible, incredible personality. And today he's, he's leading the Sacramento Economics Council. And he said that the, ro- the room at John Carroll, uh, DiCarlo, and he gave some credit to me, prepared him for walking into that room uh, today to meet the CEO of, at times, Google mm-hmm. people. And he says, and I feel more confident than those guys. I know I'm more confident than those guys because I'm prepared. I do the homework. Mm-hmm. I do the wrestling homework. So, you know, you talked about that with Noah. You talked about that walking into, you know, the room with no sleep and you have to defend a guy who's going to go to possibly go to jail for, for many years. Mm-hmm. You know, what, is that, what does that mean to you as, as a father now? And as a and as an attorney, that you can bring that to the world, and what what would you like to to you know particularly today you know we ha- we need we need more encouragement we need more intellect we need more uh, discourse of this way. What what does that mean to you that that you can do that today? And what would you say to the audience about? how you should live your life, or not so much how you should live your life, but some of the lessons that you could take from this this conversation. Well, advice I would give to anybody with children uh-huh. is get them good coaches. Great. Number one thing. I mean, yes, it's nice to have good teachers and good rabbis and and, and priests and, and, and people in the religious world uh-huh. in your child's life, but good coaches who are going to spend a lot of time with them and who are going to push them hopefully in an appropriate way past their perceived limits okay is like the is like the most important thing you can do sure good coaches having a good coach in your in your kid's life is is just a i think is a major thing that i would that's the advice i would give good. to good, anybody good advice. who's who's going to raise a child among other things but the one thing you can do when when your child is not in your care and you're not um, in charge of what they're seeing, learning, doing, and you're turning that per- your, that child over to another person. Sure. Make it a good coach. It sport doesn't matter. Right. But to have a good coach, uh, one you can trust, and one who has the right mindset, is going to plant seeds um, for future. Yeah. Um, every time. You know, I, I I think that, and I say this a lot in, in in the episodes. I look at coaching as 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 a rudder, pointing them to a point of light. And just being there at that at that point in time, but pushing them and, and keeping them on track to get to that point. Right. You know, I have a picture. It's like, like one of my treasured pictures okay. of Coach I. Yeah. It was my senior year. Uh, I was wrestling. It was. It's. I know it was sectionals because it had the old square beachwood mat. Yeah. Oh um, my god. And yeah. I am like it looked like it was a uh, probably between periods. About not must have been like before an overtime or I don't know what the situation was necessarily, but I was getting coaching or the other kid was hurt or whatever. I was, I was kneeling and coach. I is like in my face um, telling me something, but not in an aggressive way, but in a, right. 
Coach I kind of like, you know, here's a situation, here's what you need to do, here's what you right. have to look out for. Right. And it's like a treasure of mine. Like, like it reminds that. me every day um, about uh, the impact that he had on me and the impact that I have on other people. Sure. And sometimes in my job as a lawyer, I, I do have to deal with kids. Right. You know, it's it, you can't tell a 25-year-old, you know, how to be. You know, right. you, you could tell him what, what he needs to do to get through this legal situation. But right. when you have a 17-year-old kid yep. who is in juvenile trouble that could become much bigger, right. you know, you have a chance to talk to them like that. And um, that's always something that the parents appreciate that I do. But in terms of the big picture, again, um, you know, w- being a lawyer is what I do. Yes. It's not who I am necessarily. Okay. I think if people knew where I came from and where my mindset comes from, they would appreciate it. Yes. Um, them being clients, they would appreciate the, the fact of, of, of who I am beyond the surface. Okay. That a lot of which came from wrestling, but it's not something I advertise like former wrestler, Right. Uh, you know, can be your, I'll, I'll wrestle the, the law for you or something. Right. I don't advertise that. But if they knew that, that would be something that they would be very, very comfortable with. Yes. Yeah. They would be, they would, because they would know my mindset, where it comes from and how I look at limitations sure. and how I look at uh, hard work and things like that. But the real place where it counts is in being a father yes. and being a husband and in going through life and the challenges of life that occasionally can feel overwhelming, um, especially in, in our particular situation. And everybody's got their situation, but we have one right. that can feel overwhelming. And we're now we're planning on a, a lifetime for Noah when we're not there anymore. Yes. And, um, you know, you could even even you could let the, the sadness and the um, grief for what wasn't. Yes. What didn't have, what like the life that you thought you were gonna have right. for him, right. or the life he we you know he was gonna have, you can get overwhelmed with that. If but you you've got to keep your eye on the big picture, which is you have to make sure that he's happy and sure. comfortable, sure. that he is meeting his um, his potential, right. whatever that may be. That in the future when you're not there, look at every day I, I have um, shaved him, his sure. face, sure. Since he was 12 years old, he's sure. 23. Yes. And brushed his teeth for a number of years. And he's doing right. a pretty good job on his own now. But these are things that I just do. Right. And, um, you know, that would be overwhelming to somebody who had to just think about it in the abstract. Well, not only that, but, you know, I understand the grief that you would have or, or the, the trepidation you would have thinking that one day somebody may has to do that, maybe has, has to do that for him. Right. That doesn't love him like you love him. Well, exactly. You so, know? you know, but we have to make those plans and we're not doing anything um, right away. Right. But we're making plans. And so that when we're not there, you know, basically the Sherry, my wife's force of will. Yes. Um, along with some very talented people is we're on the verge of, of building a community, awesome. a physical community. Uh, where Noah and, and about 25 other uh, individuals with mental and physical disabilities will be able to live in, in perpetual care. That's incredible. Um, and with, with the level of independence that they can achieve. Sure. And, and that's, that's like happening. Um, it's going to be a matter of a couple of years and it's going to be there. You know? Right. Then it just becomes 
when do you when do you um, physically make a move to do that? But I, I feel pretty good. I'm fifty. I'm going to be fifty eight. Wow. Uh, in a couple of weeks. In Man, a couple you're months. too old. I can't hang with you. <laughs> I can't hang with anybody. I can barely walk these days. So I feel my and fifty eight is a cup of coffee for me. I'm feeling I'm feeling my age, but I'm also yeah. you know my, and my wife's a little bit older than I am, and sure. um, but we're putting things in place and we're we're not being sidetracked by that grief or that sadness or whatever we may feel on occasion, sure. which comes to the surface on occasion. Yeah. We're not, we're not sidetracked by that. We have our eye on the ball right. and the next big challenge. So like I said, the, 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 uh, law is what I do and yes. I've done well with it. And I think I'm, 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 I'm pretty good at what I do and, and I've got plenty of business, but what, who I really am is Noah's father. Gotcha. Jackson's father. Gotcha. Sherry's husband. Gotcha. And those are the important things, and those are the important uh, decisions and uh, that I have to make, and those are the important goals that I have to achieve. And, you know, there are definitely uh, lessons that were taken out of the wrestling room consciously and unconsciously. Yes. Uh, imparted by uh, the coaches, by you, by, by Coach I, and by other coaches I've had along the way. Doug Bluebaugh, I always give sure. credit to. Um, that definitely uh, are, are helping me. And I can see it's a lifelong thing. It's sure. not just it helps you get to the next stage in life. And it helps you throughout your life if, if you have that experience, whether it's in football or baseball or wrestling or whatever it is, yeah. of having a good coach show you how to overcome your your challenges and your obstacles and um and move forward and, and, and take care of your responsibilities. Well, that's interesting that you said that because I wanted to ask one more question of you that is actually maybe a two-part question. You know, uh, wrestling is a very honest sport. There's nowhere to hide, mm -hmm. you know. And if you don't put the work in, you know, not good things are going to happen. Uh, if you have bad behavior, not things, not good things are going to happen uh, on the wrestling mat. So there's consequences to bad behavior. Well, you are in a, a profession that sees consequences based on bad behavior mm -hmm. or perceived bad behavior. And it's your job is to convince one way or the other. Some people are obviously not doing those bad behaviors, maybe wrong place, wrong time. Mm -hmm. You know, so we see a lot of that today just across the board of bad behavior with no consequences. Mm -hmm. What, you know, and, and, and there's, you know, there's, there's bad behavior that I did in my life and I'm sure you did in your life and mm -hmm. we regret it. So what, what do you see moving forward? that we can as a society present as a philosophy to curtail bad behavior and consequences based on that, that are consistent, just, and swift. So is, is there anything that you're, you're experiencing in your profession that we could take as a nugget to say, this is really where we should be where we should be living? Yeah. And okay. And this is going to sound political. Okay. But I think what I see is a lot of bad behavior comes from a lack of parenting, lack of constructive parenting and, and modeling sure. by adults in a household yep. and by lack of opportunity. Well said. And I think that if we increase uh, support for parents, single parents, uh -huh. um, in terms of education, learning how to parent and not just doing what your mother did or doing right. what your, your right. parents did, uh, actually evolving as a as a as an adult as a yeah parent. yeah and and more opportunity for kids in under privileged because listen we grew up we were privileged 
No doubt. Yeah. And we were privileged in, in many ways, and we had places to go and constructive people to be with and all sure, that. Sure. And, that, and, that. And we had we also had a two parent home. Right. Okay. So there's there's a there's a lot to say about that. Yeah. And and and, and the, yeah. So the the nuclear family and in, in, in uh, the the population that I deal with a lot mm-hmm. doesn't really exist. Right. It's it's um, half brothers and sisters and cousins sure. living together. Uh, not a lot of great role models, male role models especially, right, right. and not a lot of opportunities. And if there was, uh, and it's a generational thing, it's not something that's going to be cured overnight, no. but you've got to give uh, young, uh, underprivileged people uh, chances to do constructive things with their energy and with their time. Okay. You've got to remove. Like sport. Yeah, like well, sport. for sure. Yeah, and yeah. for sure. Yeah. And you got to remove, not, but that's not for everybody. I mean, it may be science. Of course. Or something. Robotics, whatever and it is. Yeah. You yeah. got to remove the bad actors that are old enough to punish from the influence okay. of these younger kids. Okay. So, you know, that's where the justice system comes in. Right. Uh, and you've got to put money into, into these schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, the charter school, them just is a big, big kind of uninformed statement. To okay. me, it seems like a failure, but gotcha. the idea of charter schools, I think you've got to make urban schools better. Yeah, I agree. You've got to put money into it. And yeah. and if that means taking money away from some other program, then so be it. But you're never going to have a change, generational change, um, for these types of kids that are struggling without putting money into the institutions and the people that touch them at a young age sure. and that uh, guide them and that coach them or teach them um, and, and push them in the right direction. If you don't do that, then right. you can't expect them to just learn it on their own. Yep. I was lucky because I'll just say this. I was a bust out kind of kid. I didn't study. Right. I got into trouble. I was, you know, just, just did whatever I wanted to do. Right. And because I'm white and privileged and lived in Beechwood, mm-hmm. kind of people looked the other way. I still got to go to college and I got my act together, but right. I'm, I'm a minority. Right. I'm not in, in that. I was able to get my act together after right. not having my act together for a long time. Wrestling right. was the reason I was able to do that. Sure. But most people don't have that, and right. and and most people basically are branded at a young age. Uh, people that I see with these are bad kids. This kid did this. This kid did that. Um, and it's very tough to you can't get a brand off once sure. you're branded. You're branded. Sure. And so um, so, so this these... is this is it. this is very 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 well thought, Michael, and I, I applaud you for it. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna put one one thing into as a postulate, and it's a, let's say it's a it's a fantasy postulate. Mm-hmm. Okay, tomorrow, your underserved community now all of them are in a nuclear family. What would a, what effect would that have? Do you feel for the underprivileged community? Well, if you have and 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 again those 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 male role models now be start are really starting to try. And really starting to take responsibility. Well, you need that. that okay, that's so, number one. Okay, that's number so, one. And then and, and they stay with the people, the, the woman that, that is having their children and all those kinds of things. That's what? not always like possible. 
Well, I'm, no, I'm saying this is a fantasy. Yeah. So let's say that this is a fantasy. What 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 effect do you think? Because you see it, you you see it every day. What what effect do you think that this would have on the overall segment of society we're discussing? I think that having a strong, appropriately disciplined male role models in yes. a household yes. where children are growing up, it, it does a it does a huge service and is a, a huge benefit to to young people, girls and boys, right. um, in growing up with the right values and with the right priorities. Sure. Um, if you, if you, that male piece is missing. Yes. And for whatever reason, we've evolved culturally over the last couple thousand years to have a mother and a father yeah. Yeah. in a household doing the, whatever roles that they have. And when you take the father out of that um equation uh things are much harder to keep together they don't always fall apart but they're much harder to keep together having a male role model father in a household for the uh childhood you know zero to 18 of a of of a kid especially a boy is just going to have a a, i would think and i'm not a sociologist or a psychologist no but you're you're not you're seeing it you know prima facie (laughs) <laughs> and anecdotally every day. I'm seeing the opposite. I'm yeah. seeing... That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, yeah, yeah you're, seeing the, you're seeing the effect of not having of the destruction of a, of a nuclear family. And I think and that, that, you know, serious fatherhood mm-hmm. is is way... You cannot overestimate how important it is yeah. for the raising of children, especially boys, having serious, dedicated, loving, present, yeah. Yeah. male... Parent. Present, yeah, mindful, mm-hmm. you know, the terminology, you know. So, well, that's brilliant, and I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. And, you know, I could talk to you a lot about that because I think that, you know, with the with the uh, explosion of intellect coming from the LGBTQ community, uh, informing us about the very, you know, kaleidoscope of sexuality bringing forth to the world. You know, you could have all different types of people you know, that are more male or female or, or binary or, mm-hmm. or whatever, having the male and the female in the family gives them the ability to see the the, the vast array of different ways a male can be mm-hmm. or, a, or a female can be, well, you know, because, you know, I was raised with a father that was a great piano player. Well, he inspired in me, you know, my art, artistic side. Mm-hmm. You know, and so some may see, well, that's more f- more feminine, but that's okay. You know, there's a beauty to that. I think every male has their feminine side. They should, or mm-hmm. and what what degree of their feminine side? And we're seeing that now with yeah. the, with the intelligence that we're getting from from that community. The, the paradigm of the what's a male versus what's a female type activity, yeah, is really kind of out the window at this point. I, I agree with you, but we didn't know that, you right. know, and now we know that. To but some the, I think the important thing also with the a male parent in the house is if a child ha- is realizing that they are um, of that community. Yeah. Um, how that parent reacts to it. Exactly. Well said. Well and said. how yeah. that parent shows love through whatever disappointment or whatever change of of expectations that that parent no would question. have. Yeah. No question. Is key. Yes. And you will talk to people. Um, who came in the last generation, who may have come out to their parents and not had that in, 
you know, love right. and in, and being embraced and, and, you know, for who they are. Um, and it has a really negative effect. No question about um, it. No question about so it. So another place where a, where a father or any parent can have a really strong impact on a kid in that situation, um, you know, how, how a parent reacts to that. The acceptance the and love mm-hmm. as long as they're doing great things. You know, let's 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 do great things together. You know, right. You know, so that's the beauty of this. And I, I really appreciate you saying that. it was really well thought, thought out. Uh, Michael, I, you know, we're, we're in a, a tough time right now with um, not only our sport, but also our society at large, both uh, emotionally and physically with with the virus that we're experiencing this time. You know, there's a lot of uh, emotional damage being done uh, at home with children not being able to get to school and some of the, the elder, elderly being shut in. Um, you know, I have parents that are 84 and 85 mm-hmm. and they're, they're, you know, they're struggling. You know, they want to get out and they want to be social. They want to see their, you know, their, their family and all that. So, you know, I, I'm, le- I'm, I'm asking each guest at this point to leave us with some words of encouragement and some, some courage uh, that you would leave the audience with during this time to, to, mm-hmm. to share well, with us. Well, I would say that um, as Americans, we've been through lots of challenges. Yes. Um, from pre-revolutionary days until COVID. Right. And the strength of America is, is her people and her institutions mm-hmm. um, and the availability of faith and religious uh, institutions to exist coincidentally and, mm-hmm. and side by side with government institutions. And, and we're strong enough to get through this. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be nice to have some national leadership mm-hmm. on the big picture because having 50 different programs doesn't doesn't really serve you know, the end result, but right. we'll get through this just like we got through uh, tough times in the past and the Great Depression and yes. uh, World War World War Two, Vietnam War um, and the anti-Vietnam War struggles, the race struggles, sure. still fighting those. But America is stronger than that. And we're going to get through all of this and we will be stronger for it. And we'll know how to deal with this situation next time. The, a pandemic situation, which, which we, by the way, everybody always knew one day would happen. Of course, it's not a shock. Of course, it it it, it was well, on the, the radar. The historic perspective, the Spanish flu gave us some some semblance of. Mm-hmm. of, a, of a we, you know, we always knew there would be some kind of sure. um, uh, worldwide pandemic. We'll get through this. It just it just you know it it just to use a word it sucks. Right. It you know for especially for kids like uh, your producer. Yeah. And uh, my beautiful son, Maverick Peters, right? beautiful Maverick, your nephew, my nephew, <laughs> and and um, you know kids that are just starting out in life. I sure. want to go do things and want to and want to do what we did when we were in our early twenties. It just have it's like taking a year yeah. and just kind of like being in suspended animation. Yeah, well said. And well said. It just but but yeah. we'll look back in two years. There'll be a vaccine. Yeah. They'll, the, things will be different and and. Um, We'll be able to eat in restaurants and go to the movies and go to plays. And hey, remember what came out of the Spanish flu? The Roaring Twenties, my right, friend. Right. <laughs> Bathtub gin parties. So yes. if that if that could come out of that without that science, we can do it with our science. It was instead. without prohibition. Hopefully. Exactly. Well, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> but well, I think said. I think uh, you know, we're going through a time that we'll look back and say, Oh, that was horrible, but yeah, you know, we were able to just like with AIDS. Yes. AIDS course. was like this horrible oh, thing. Oh, I got it. we all gonna die. In the eighties. 
it was this it was a scary horrible thing and right. you didn't know who had it and you right. didn't know you know and it was affecting the most like our biggest drive right. when we were in our 20s was right. was to have sex yeah but there were you, you could die from it absolutely it's crazy and, and i came out of the 70s yeah. which was free love yeah. you know what i mean so it was a wa- wa- wacky time then. and science right. and 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 government Prudent behavior, mm-hmm. smart. Well, that behavior. too, but yeah, but yeah. science and government yeah. cured basically. I won't say cured, but but basically came up with a protocol to to deal with it, yeah. and people could have normal lives now, and virtually eradicated it. Yeah. You know, even so this, same thing is going to happen with this, and we're going to look back and say that was horrible, yeah. but look what we can do if we are on the same page, and let's learn from this history mm-hmm. that we're creating right now. Let's learn from that. Well, Michael, very very good uh, advice and. I agree with you. I could talk to you for hours about this, and uh, I would like to do that offline. <laughs> so, but I want to. I want to thank uh, the love from Coach I to you. I want to thank your love uh, for the coaching and this and the sport, but more importantly, humanity and uh, that beautiful child of yours, Noah, uh, your lovely uh, wife Sherry, and your other wonderful son Jackson. Thank you. Thank you to the Goldbergs. Thank you, Michael. We are blood. Love to you all. This is Coach Cimarroni. I want to share with you my thought of the day. Agendas are a thing of the past. It's time for authentic humanity. Yes, this is uh, Coach Cimarroni for Limo King, one of our newest sponsors, and Connor Mack. We love Connor. Uh, he has uh, this company that's the premier party bus company for Cleveland with over 200 reviews being five stars. That's 200 reviews at five stars. Holy cow. All of their vehicles are purchased brand new and are custom built. They service nights out, sporting events, concerts, weddings, and many other services. They service all of Northeast Ohio, Akron, and Canton. Feel free to call or text the owner, Connor Mack, directly at 440-221-4474. That's Connor Mack, 440-221-4474. TheLimoKing.com. TheLimoKing.com for all of your party bus needs. Hi, this is David Dennis Mackey. You've just heard another episode of the Blood Time Podcast. Check out more at maverickpodcasting.com.